Welcome to the Wellness as a Way of Life podcast, your one-stop, all-encompassing source of wellness, knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, and motivation. Here we teach you why not all wellness trends are for you, how to figure out which ones are, how to best adapt them for your personal wellness toolbox, and how ultimately to integrate your wellness practices so fully that they become to feel like brushing your teeth, a foundational part of who you are and not a check mark on your to-do list. Is your wellness stressing you out? How counterproductive is that, right? Here, we know that in order for health and wellness to be sustainable, we need a less is more approach, leaving the information overload and tips overwhelm behind. I'm your host, Megan Swan, creator of the Wellness as a Way of Life course and the Sustainable Integrated Wellness Approach. I have more than a decade of experience in the wellness industry and on my own personal wellness journey learning how to tune into and trust my intuition and drown out all the noise. As a certified IIN health coach, detoxification expert, plant-based chef, yoga teacher, and coach, I will help you distill down the information overload and feel more confident and at ease in your own skin again. So let's swan dive in. This week on the Wellness as a Way of Life podcast, I'm diving a little bit deeper into pillar number two, nourishment, and specifically why it is so important that we use whole food plant-based as a baseline. What is the wisdom that you can pull from, uh, from different diets while at the same time knowing that there is no one-size-fits-all anything, I would argue, but certainly not diet. And when we use the word diet, we are remembering that it is a scientific term that simply means what an organism eats, not like my son's grade five teacher here recently taught him that diet means calorie restriction. (laughs) Ah, deep breath, mama. So, nourishment. I use this word um, in the Wellness as a Way of Life course. Module one is all about mastering our relationship with food. Food is one important essential aspect of nourishment, but it isn't the only one by any means. And Nourishment, I mean, we're talking about the quality, the content and the quality of everything we consume, really, right? So this is the quality of the water we're drinking, but also the quality of the water we're bathing in. Like, it is so multifaceted. I will, however, hone in a little bit today more so on the food aspect and what we are eating How are we fueling ourselves, understanding that what we are eating is the basis of what our body is using to generate new cells. So what do we want to be made out of (laughs) is a good question to keep top of mind uh, when we are consuming food. And 
As most of you know, I recently came back from a retreat, a plant-powered retreat in Tuscany with my, my beloved mentors, Srimati or Julie Pyatt and Ritual, both of whom are whole food plant-based. Uh, you know, they're, they're vegan, mostly. I would say Julie is a little bit more flex. Uh, but that's part of the conversation that we're having uh, that we should have and keep open that each to their own, right? To me, first off, whole food plant-based is a softer term to refer to this reality that we should be eating more plants than anything else. We want to be plant-powered. We want to be plant-forward. We want to be plant-heavy. Pick your lovely, empowered description of your personal diet and also consider these bits of wisdom from the latest science, the gut health specialists. Uh, Yeah, you really just want as many plants as possible in your diet. And the whole food part is... To understand that our baseline ideal diet is as unprocessed as possible. So I would argue that the first thing you might want to gradually shift away from is consuming products that have a list of ingredients. Obviously, it's impossible in our modern lives for most of us to completely remove processed food. Uh, But if, if you start with this as a goal, you're just going to bring more awareness to what you're eating. So a super simple example that isn't overwhelming for most people is the quality of the bread that you are consuming. So instead of buying the supermarket bread, which I will admit here I do buy uh, sprouted grain bread in adherence in the frozen food section, because it is the highest quality bread that I can have in my freezer available um, at all times that really like tests time. So I mean, there, there's different things to be weighted here. And also a sprouted greens bread, I do read the ingredients. It is a vegan bread, it doesn't have any egg products, doesn't have any added sugar. Uh, It doesn't have any additives or coloring. Sometimes your supermarket bread, if you read the label, it will have caramel coloring, which is a carcinogen. All of the dyes, basically, um, you know, bread usually doesn't have uh, red five or blue five or blue 40, yellow five, all of these um, ingredients that are known carcinogens. They, of course, ironically, are usually found in junk food and junk food targeted towards children, um, which is even more damaging. So I guess the first lesson here is to start reading labels. It might seem overwhelming at first, but really you just have to read the labels well once, maybe twice in your local supermarket, and then you know the brands that you can trust and you just stick to those, right? So it's not something that you need to be doing um, to slow you down dramatically all the time, but it is, again, just bringing more awareness. There are some really easy rules of thumb that help you make it faster reading labels. For example, if a product has like 20 plus ingredients, probably don't want to be consuming it. If it has any of the dyes that I just mentioned, also it's a no. 
if number sorry the ingredients on a list of ingredients are listed in order of uh, percentage. So the first ingredient is the bulk of the product. The second is then the second bulk of the product, etc. So if sugar is number two, or well, I mean, if it's number one or two on the list, no. Uh, if it doesn't even have sugar, if it has some sort of sugar additive or processed sugar like high fructose corn syrup obviously we want to avoid that um, so you know rule of thumb less than five ingredients number two do you understand all what all those ingredients are or is it just scientific mumbo jumbo words chemicals also red flag uh, number three I mentioned the order of things so if sodium or sugar or some sort of sugar alcohol or additive is top of the list or even in the top three, I would avoid it. Uh, you can also use as a rule of thumb the percentage of sodium and sugar out of 100 grams. Um, most labeling systems give you that. I always aim like for under 10% sugar. Sodium, depending on the product, um, at least under 25, you know, you really don't want anything that's high sodium because if it's a processed food, it's not quality salt. We're not totally against salt. We just are against anything that's highly processed. So I think I'm missing one rule. Oh, yes, we are, you know, the the fun additive, uh, I, I did sort of break it down, but the fifth rule is would your grandmother recognize the ingredients? And if there's more ingredients that your grandmother would not recognize as to what they are, then probably good to avoid the product. Now, we are just minimizing how many of these products are in our home. It's not that, that you need to completely eliminate them. I buy, for example, some highly processed but favorite vegan products, uh, some vegan pizza. I love uh, Beyond Burgers. Uh, there's certain things that, but it's again, it's all about percentages, which is what I wanted to get to in terms of whole food plant-based. So what is the definition of whole food plant-based? It does vary, but my definition, and I think it is uh, broad strokes uh, across the board, would be agreed upon that the majority of your plate or the majority of the meals that you consume in a given week are whole food plant-based and plant-based meaning essentially vegan, like no animal products. So this term I think first sort of came about because the term vegan became very political. The term vegan is also very dogmatic. Uh, really, you tend to lose people. For understandable reasons, I would argue because not everyone is meant to be a vegan, but everyone can benefit from eating more plants. Another definition. So what do we mean by plants? Not just fruits and vegetables. We're talking about the whole grains, legumes, meaning chickpeas, lentils, beans, and nuts, seeds, superfoods, spices, herbs, the edible flowers, like any plants that you can be eating are considered plants. And a really amazing rule of thumb that uh, I was reminded by Dr. Alan Desmond. I just got to meet him personally and get to know him. He's a lovely, lovely Irishman. 
He is a gut health specialist and a surgeon. He's a leader in the industry and a really powerful voice promoting whole food plant-based. He reminded me of this uh, rule of thumb for optimizing energy and immunity is eating 30 plus different plants a week. So not do we not only do we want to be eating more plants than anything else on our plate overall in terms of, you know, more than 50%. I'll get back to the definition in a second, but we want there to be a variety of plants. So really simple. We don't want to just be eating avocado toast, you know, all the time. We want to switch it up. We want to have an avocado toast with uh, cherry tomatoes and hemp seeds, some fresh cracked pepper, maybe some chopped basil, driven some olive oil. So whole wheat bread. Just there, we went from having two plants to about eight plants by optimizing and not, it's not a gourmet per se. It's, it's about just weaving more plants into your diet and being conscious that you want a variety. So uh, an apple a day does keep the doctor away. I love green Granny Smith apples and I stick to them, but I try to have uh, three to four or five different kinds of other fruit a week or, you know, different berries, not always buying the same thing, really uh, tipping your hat to the season and incorporating things that are locally in season that are ripe that are perfect time of year to eat and those vary throughout the year and so just in that you're going to be bringing different um, plants into your life so back quickly rounding up this conversation the how do we determine who's whole food plant-based and who's not Um, if it's important to you i break it down by percentage. So my personal definition would be minimum 60% plant-based, meaning you're 60% vegan. Uh, 70 is a great also um, goal. I would say I'm personally at about 80 and that is a percentage that I have come to. I've ebbed and flowed in how I eat over the last five or six years And this is the balance that makes most sense to me, meaning I don't feel like I'm limiting myself at all. Uh, I eat red meat, high quality red meat once in a while, organic or grass fed. Um, I eat salmon, although it's very hard to find quality, not farmed salmon where I live, but I love it once in a while. Uh, I eat fish, I eat ceviche here and there, but the percentage is what is significant. So just getting real with yourself. We eat three times a day, seven days a week. That's 21 meals. How many of 21 meals are you eating that are plant-based? Another way of doing it is dividing your plate each time. So maybe in a given plate, only 20% of your plate is an animal product, meaning dairy, eggs, uh, some sort of meat, fish, etc. So there are different ways to do it. I personally like to challenge clients to bring one meal a day to be vegan or plant-based. So maybe for you that might be the lunch hour that you're having a hummus and grilled veggie sandwich or you're having avocado toast like I mentioned. You're having a upped 
peanut butter and jelly or almond butter and jelly or almond butter and smushed raspberry mm, toast. Yummy. I'm getting hungry. Uh, or maybe for you, breakfast is already almost vegan. And so how could you optimize? So just one meal a day and therefore you're immediately getting 33% of your meals are entirely plant-based and then more often than not, it'll be easier to get to that 60% or higher. Why? The more fiber that we're consuming, the better our digestion is, the improved gut health we have. It's a boost to our immunity. It is a boost to our energy. And all of those things combined ensure that we have the lowest possible risk for all, all chronic disease. So that's not including... Well, it is to some degree. It's a whole other conversation, which I won't get into here. But even things that are genetic, we now understand through epigenetics that you are given a genetic map and to what path or road you go down on that map is extremely dependent on your lifestyle choices. So you could have been given a map that has one road to breast cancer, let's say, and if you choose uh, a bunch of lifestyle habits, meaning uh, eating heavy fried foods, smoking, drinking a lot of alcohol, uh, not exercising, all sorts of uh, not sleeping well, high stress, all these things that in addition raise your risk to cancer, then you're much more likely to go, go down that path. Whereas if you choose lifestyle habits that support you in your gut health, in being well-rested, managing your stress, uh, moving your body on a daily basis, and supporting your gut health, maintaining a low inflammation in the body on all fronts, then the likelihood that you are going to go down that one road that you happen to be given on a genetic map that is negative is way, way lower. So uh, I don't want to end on that note because it's kind of a dark one. Um, maybe not. It's, it's bringing agency back. That is always my intention to help people understand that we have a choice. Many, many, if not the majority of these things are in our control to a great degree. And ultimately, you just feel better. So like go back to the day to day. Do you want to feel high vibe, high energy? you know, have great digestion, which makes it easier to sleep well. It's all the self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, you look better too. <laughs> Plants contain life. Plants feed our cells life. They are not oxidizing. Anything that's oxidizing is taking life out of your cells and aging you at the end of the day. So eating plant-based is one of the great ways whole food plant-based. So scrapping as much processed crap and chemicals and additives that we don't need that are oxidizing and aging us and instead opt for fresh, local, freshly cooked, not overcooked, perfectly prepared whole food plant-based meals as a beauty tool, as a way to just look and feel our best. So let's end on that note. If you want any resources on how to eat whole food plant-based, I am a wonderful one. I can give you all sorts of blogs, uh, the best recipe books to buy. Uh, I do have some of my own, but I really encourage you. I think the simplest one 
generally speaking, is to go to the Blue Zone project. Uh, you just Google it. That's a whole other podcast. We're going to talk about longevity and the Blue Zones and the centenarians' wisdom that we can extract to live our best lives. So you can see I'm really really passionate about this topic. Uh, A short podcast is coming up on 20 minutes. So I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed this. Please share it with a friend that you think it might be of service to. Sending you love. Thanks again for listening to the Wellness as a Way of Life podcast. As you know, we love bringing you valuable content that helps you improve your wellness. This podcast is sponsored by the Wellness as a Way of Life course. The course experience is the ultimate and only wellness course you need to have in your back pocket. If you're looking to feel more confident and at ease in your own skin with consistent energy, this course is the perfect solution for you. And the best part, as a listener of the podcast, you'll get an exclusive discount on the course. Just use the promo code well for life at checkout to receive 10% off of your purchase. That's capital W E L L the number four capital L I F E at checkout. Eight incredible women have taken the wellness as a way of life course and can attest to the massive value it provides consisting of 60 plus audio lessons, a dozen videos, the wellness as a way of life workbook and the wellness as a way of life daily tracker menus, playlists, readings, and the Megan Swan Wellness Resource Vault. It makes it the most comprehensive, less is more, holistic wellness course on the market. So if you're ready to take your wellness skills to the next level, head over to the website linked here in the show notes and enroll in the Wellness as a Way of Life course today. Hey there, one last thing I wanted to share with you If you're enjoying this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. It really does help us grow the show and this being so important to me to get this message out to more women to help them optimize their wellness and ultimately their lives. This is my mission and I would greatly appreciate it if you could support the podcast by rating and reviewing. Thanks in advance. Have a good one.